Hello and welcome to SEO Success Stories. My name is Russ McCumber. Uh, here today with me, I've got Gatano Donati. How are you, Gatano? Yo, what's up? Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. You've been a, a friend of mine now for a minute and welcome to the US, by the way. So it's Thank great. You. great to have Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, it's really good to be here. We've interviewed a couple of times on a couple of different podcasts, and uh, yeah, I was really keen to get Gaetano on today, especially to talk SEO. So for those that haven't tuned in before, we, we talk to just, you know, the world's best SEO practitioners that have been involved in really big brands, and we want them to give us a feel for what are their favorite tactics, strategies, what are they doing to really move the needle when it comes to getting their brands found online? Now, the one question before we get into yourself and a bit of your history one question we always open up with is, what do you think is the number one biggest challenge facing SEOs in 2021? Fantastic opening question. The answer, I think unquestionably for me, is insane levels of competition. Yeah. Uh, so most verticals are saturated to the max level mm. and overcoming this is very tough. And most people don't go and join category leading monster companies that are already at the top yeah. uh, some people do but many people they join scrappier more underdog type companies mm. and then you're faced with the problem of damn all these other bigger badder more powerful companies are dominating the the top results for all the most important keywords and yep. where do we go from here and i think that's the number one challenge that's really cool. And do you think like as an SEO, what, what would draw, I guess it depends on the type of SEO, but just like in terms of, okay, well, I could go work for a big brand that I know is already ranking for everything. It's got a huge domain authority. It's, you know, it's kind of already got all those runs on the board. Or are you more attracted to that scrappy upstart that's, you know, it's sort of nipping at the heels and you can see the potential in there, but they've never actually, you know, they've never actually leveraged it. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, man. You, you know the NBA team that won the NBA title last year? Yeah, yeah. The Milwaukee, Milwaukee. Bucks? Yeah. yeah. You know Giannis, the Greek freak? Yeah. I, I think he said it best. He didn't want to go join a team that already had four, five, six powerhouse NBA all-stars on it. That would have mm. been easy. I, I think he, he said, you know, I wanted to, to win this myself. Yep. You know, homegrown. And I think I kind of share that same mentality, you know, yeah. like I would never go work at Salesforce. Yeah. You know, I, I wouldn't go work at Zoom. For one, they're too corporate for me. And, you know, aside from that, I enjoy fighting back and, and battling, you know, the beasts, battling the giants, man. So, yeah. you, you know, I think it, it comes down to your style. You know, what yeah. do you want to do? I always, I always have wondered, damn, you know, what kind of damage could I do? If I did join a category leader, uh, I never yeah. have worked for a category leader before, but uh, yeah, maybe to close out this one, I, I kind of like, you know, a little bit of a challenge, uh, not an impossible challenge, but I, I like something that's attainable, but tough. So that that's yeah. just me. Well, that kind of segues nicely into, I'd love to find out, I'd love for our audience to just get a bit of an understanding of how you fell into SEO. Did you, I mean, I don't, obviously I know you've, you've been a musician for a long period of time. You've got that creative side, which... We'll get into that, you know, the way that brings innovation to this space. But SEO, this wasn't something that you dreamed of, you know, as a kid growing up, surely. No, no. I mean, I, I'm a rugged guy from the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, guys guys like me, we don't wake up someday and say, yeah, I want to be an SEO. Yeah. You don't even really know what it is. Well, when I was growing up, you know, it wasn't even really a thing. 
But mm. here's how I, here's how I got into it. Long story short, I was blogging about my experiences as mm. a disgruntled music producer that yeah. was coming up in the game in New York. And I was writing articles like how Atlantic Records ghosted me. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Which is true. Uh, those yeah. assholes, they did ghost me. And people were searching for things like how to get a meeting with Atlantic Records. Mm. And they were finding my shit. And random people were reaching out to me saying, damn, I can't believe that happened to you. Oh, nobody ever writes about like what it's like to get a meeting with Atlantic Records. Like it's one of yeah. these things that you just kind of dream about as an up and coming music producer and songwriter. And so once I realized how people were finding it, I became obsessed with mm. search marketing. I installed analytics, search console, and it was off to the races from there. Yeah. And that's when I knew I, I, I wanted to do not just SEO, but digital marketing, uh, yeah. professional level digital marketing for the rest of my life. And, cool. you know, there's no degree for this shit. You can't go to college and, and get a degree in SEO. Like, you know, now, now with the internet, you have guys like Brian Dean, uh, you know, Backlinko creating all these awesome SEO tutorials and stuff. Yeah. You can really learn it yourself now. That was the moment for me that I knew I wanted to do professional level digital marketing for the rest of my life. And I yeah. fell into it ass backwards. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Like I studied marketing back in the day and I did masters and stuff and there were some marketing classes and there was like one little module on digital marketing. This is in like 2011 or 12. And even at that point, I just started in digital marketing and some of the stuff they were saying, I'm just like, oh, this is really dated. You know, like it's just, there's no way a textbook by the time it gets through all of that vetting and then gets into a curriculum at a university is ever going to have any currency in a, in, a, in a course like that. Agreed. You know, I think the education system is really doomed. I, you know, now with all the ability to learn on your own yeah. and learn by doing, hmm. you can launch your own WordPress site, your own Wix site yeah. and uh, Webflow and just learn, man. You can write. You There's a million ways to just like do shit on your own now. I think school, uh, I, I hate to even say this because I, I went through it. Uh, it's kind of a scam. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of a scam especially in the US. And so I think that in the future, you're going to see more like scrappy, I figured it out myself kind of guys coming up. Yeah, and yeah. That, that's what it's going to be, man. Yeah. yeah. That also, you know, just like the whole, especially from an SEO perspective, like I know when when we've spoken on, on another podcast I used to do back in the day called BS Radar, and you mentioned when you're interviewing, you know, an SEO to maybe come and work in your team. And I want to get to some of the teams you've worked in as well. But like what you want to see is like, tell me about, a keyword that you ranked for a site you ranked, not your team, not you had a part in. Like I want to see, I want to see the site. I want you to pull it up. I want you to show me exactly the process you went through and the way that you got that ranked. That's a pretty powerful thing. That it, I love that about SEO that you can actually have that vision, put it together, and then like if you're really proud of what you do, be able to show people, look what I ranked for. That's what I love about it. You're yeah. right, you dude, you nailed it. You know, yeah. Outside of SEO. There's other kinds of content, like brand content, product yep. content, and everybody has opinions like, oh, this doesn't have the brand voice and tone. This lacks a narrative. Yeah. With SEO, it's black and white. Does the shit, does it rank or does it not rank? <laughs> That's it. You know, you, I mean, there's other, you know, other things like engagement metrics and time on page and of course, you know, conversions and backlinks mm. and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, does it rank? Does it get the right kind of traffic? And mm. do people uh, care about this content 
when they search for it and they find it, are they satisfied after they read it? That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I spent a bit of time in a creative agency and I could never wrap my head around what exactly we're we selling here. I'm not, that's not to denigrate. The creative is such an important part of why people are going to click, why people are, you know, are interested in the first place. But for me, like if I can't measure it, if I can't track it, if I, if, I don't know, if it's just kind of there, it's kind of ethereal, it's, I just I find it a bit harder for myself to process, which is what drew me to digital marketing as well. It's like, okay, we're tracking it. We've measured it. It worked. It didn't work. We'll try something else. Like it just, it just, I like that sort of clarity. Yes. And, and you, what you said reminds me of a common conflict problem that mm. SEOs face in-house. The main site landing pages that are advertising the products and services and solutions of a company often those pages are controlled if you mm. will not call it that yeah. by product marketers and brand marketers yeah. and what they're more concerned about is being on brand uh, or being you know on voice right but the only traffic that goes to those pages is the traffic that starts from the home page and makes its way to those pages through the website navigation if that page wasn't listed there in the navigation, nobody would find it. And so SEOs now are saying, man, if only they would be flexible enough to let us change this fluffy, obscure, visionary headline into a very concrete, concise headline that explains what it does and contains the target keyword and then lets us add some copy that is conducive to ranking rather than just having like tons of white space and all this mm you know, stuff that's on brand and, you know, hits voice and tone standards, but is like zero SEO consideration whatsoever, we'd be able to get more meaningful traffic for these pages. They're linked from the homepage in the navigation. They're getting the most amount of link equity possible. Yet mm. these pages have no SEO value because of content optimization problems. And that is a conflict that exists at pretty much every in-house marketing organization, SEO tends to conflict a little bit with, with product and brand. And I wish it wasn't like that, but that's how it often is. Yeah. We're, we're jumping a bit to the side now, but these are my favorite bits when we get on the tangents. Over your career in SEO, you would have seen it change too, because because of the way, you know, things like user experience and CR and all, all these, you know, things that used to be to the side of SEO now are becoming, you know, things that actually help a page rank, you know? So all of a sudden as an SEO, you are almost, especially an in-house SEO or even as an agency, it's like, okay, well, I actually need to get, you know, product on side. I need to get the design team. I need to get all these other people on side and aligned. Like, is that something that you've seen change over time? It is a challenge, but do you find there's more collaboration or, it, you know, there's more sort of talking to those other teams now than there was previously? I, I would say yes. Here's how I think it was in the past because uh, mm. now companies are, are awakening. They're realizing, oh man, like SEO is so important. We just, we got to be on it. In the yeah. past, what you would hear is like, hey, can you add SEO to this page after it's already done? Yeah. <laughs> hey, can, yeah. You guys, can you guys SEO it? Yeah. Hey, we need SEO recommendations for this page or we need, S we need to add SEO. I would hear that. I'm like, add SEO. Yeah. What, what are you putting seasoning on a steak? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just not how it works. Whereas today, it's we need to build these pages and we need to collaborate with the SEO team from the beginning, mm. from the get-go. SEO has to be baked in from step one. And then that goes, that becomes understood from copy to 
editorial, to design, to QA, to development, yeah. all the way through to publishing. And then even the teams who are promoting the content PR, you can tell them, yo, whenever you guys get big placements, make sure they link to this page. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it also helps if you have somebody like me at a company who is known and always pushing SEO initiatives that radiates. That means that other teams will know in their heads, shit, there's a guy like Gaetano in the company who's going to see this and needs to be involved. And so yeah. that also helps. And anyway, to close it all together, it's like back in the day, only the top companies were thinking about this. Now pretty much all companies are thinking about it and there's more of a concerted effort uh, and collaboration. And I would say higher level of importance organizationally in most B2B companies today around yep. SEO than there was before. You know, what's interesting though, like you mentioned that like if there's a guy like you in the business, who's, let's be honest, like you, you, you know, you're a charismatic, big personality. You know, you can probably persuade people or explain to people quite well the importance of what you do. You can share your wins. You know, you probably share stuff that hasn't worked so well, but it's always out there. Gabe, who I, is, usually does this podcast with me, he's similar in that he's, he's you know, quite outgoing and he's, he's, he's quite out there. But outside of you and Gabe, like a lot of SEOs that I know and that I've worked with in the past, a lot of the best SEOs, they're introverted guys. They're kind of insular. They're working inside, doing their own thing. And, you, you know, you'd hardly know they were there. So that presents a bit of a challenge, I think, does it not? Yes. Very difficult to overcome that. The, the way you overcome that is you need some kind of executive, I hate to even use this word, executive buy-in or executive mm. push, but <clears throat> that usually helps a lot. I will tell you that at Nextiva, CEO is a big believer in SEO. When, when you have a, a CEO that like really believes in SEO, that counts for a lot. Yeah. So if you like, yeah, the, the guy who's maybe leading the SEO has this sort of introverted style, but maybe a higher ranking person in the company is, you know, always kind of, I don't know how you want to call it, uh, singing. Like the yeah. championing it. You need an yeah, SEO champion. Yeah, whether right. it's the practitioner or whether it's, I mean, a CEO, what better person you like to be? You're spot on. Okay. That's right. That's really yeah. interesting. So I think that's how you get around it. And then over, over time, like, you know, people just understand. And here's the other thing I will say before we move on. When you share the results mm. of SEO wins, even on like mm. a company Slack or, hey, we hit number one for this big term or look how much organic traffic has increased from then till now. People get really excited about that shit. They're like, yeah. damn. We're, we're really moving. Like yeah. things are happening. It's working. We got a process, you know, everything is flowing. There's flow, <laughs> right? Once you get, you know, flow state, that's mm. what happens with SEO. When it starts compounding and you just start climbing and climbing that mountain, everybody gets a little bit more excited and then everyone's more willing to, to prioritize it. So that's how I think it works. Yeah. See, that's really cool. I think that's a really good point just for SEOs that are listening because it, like in our audience, we have, you know, digital marketers, we've got in-house SEOs and agency SEOs, but like communicating those wins, because like for someone who's passionately working inside a brand, when that brand gets more popular, like that makes the person feel good. And it's like watching your organic traffic go that way, whether it's branded or non-branded traffic go the right way, is like a really tangible, measurable way of seeing your brand increase. So why wouldn't you, you know, trumpet that from the rooftops to, to help get people behind what you're doing? That's right, man. And it's no different than sales celebrating a, a big close yeah. or PR celebrating a big press mention or, you know, placement. 
anything mm. anything you want to parallel it to you you gotta you, exactly you gotta sing your own praises once in a while not in a yeah. you know cocky sort of where the machismo were the best thing but you know little little humble brag never hurt nobody you know so yeah yeah for sure, for sure gotta do it gotta get it in yeah i'd love to talk to you a bit more about next diva T- tell me what the situation was like how long ago did you start there and and what sort of growth did you see in the brand i'd love to get an understanding of Let's go back to the start. What was it like when you first got there? What sort of resources did they have? You mentioned the CEO. Was he a new CEO or was she, sorry? And I'd love to get a feel for what the SEA landscape was like when you started. All right. So this is this is going to be juicy. I started three years ago, three years and three months ago. Actually, at the end of October, it'll be three years and three months. This is what, this is what the, the landscape was. The company started in 2008. At, at that time, voice over IP and cloud phone software was in, I would say in its early days. And uh, the problem that they're solving is that shitty customer service and poor reliability of uh, call quality and on-premise expensive systems needed to be moved to the cloud. And Mm -hmm. so the CEO, a fellow named Thomas, Thomas Gorney, and he's still the CEO today. And I love founder-led companies. You know, I I tend to, there's two qualities about him that I really like. Immigrant mentality. He's from Poland, so he's got that grit, and still with the company today. And, and I, I, those two things, I feel like he just can't go wrong there. So I, I love that. But um, yeah, so started in two thousand eight. Uh, I joined the company three years ago. The company was at seventy million in annual revenue. Uh, fast forward to today, over two hundred million in annual revenue. So a lot wow. of growth. Uh, yeah, pandemic, yeah. pandemic, of course, you know, contributed to a lot of that. Can't take all the credit. But we had our we had our ducks in a row before the pandemic struck, and that you know that was really uh, fruitful for us. In terms of the marketing landscape, the company was a, a two trick pony. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They ranked for one very very important keyword, the most important keyword in the business, which was business VoIP, and then the rest of the demand gen strategy was all revolving around affiliate marketing and PPC. So just a two trick pony. There was a marketing team of about 10, but people doing growth, there was only about three, myself included. I scaled the team to about 12 growth marketing. My division scaled from about three to 12. I I knew that we had to do a couple of things. One was diversify and scale the marketing mix, get beyond this two-trip pony problem. Mm -hmm. Then it was to recruit and build a, a team of like mad scientists, you know, marketing ninjas. And then I, and then I think the, the final objective was we got to put a dent in some of the competition. You know, we're, mm-hmm. they're eating our lunch here left and right. You know, players like Ring Central, 8x8, Vonage, uh, Zoom got into VoIP uh, not long ago. Microsoft Teams got into VoIP as well. And so like, there's just a lot up for grabs. And the final thing is that the industry has only been cracked about 20%, 25%. So hmm. 75% of the industry is still using a legacy on-premise system that has to move to the cloud. And so there's a ton of money up for grabs in the next like three, four, five years. Getting ahead of all that is, you know, one of the reasons that they that they brought me on. So that in a nutshell is what the landscape was. Yeah. So then you talked a bit about, you know, scaling that team and bringing in just, you know, some mad scientists, that sort of stuff. In that first 90 days, what did, was there like one, was there some low-hanging fruit where you were just like, oh, I can't believe they're not doing this? Or where you just saw something and you're like, oh, that's juicy. I can, you know, I can really piece of content where you're like, why aren't we 
you know, outreaching, this is amazing content. You know, what were some of the things you did early days that helped move the needle and probably helped give you a bit of credibility as well internally a bit more? Dude, I mean, that's a fantastic question. Here's what I'll say. I think I, I spent too much time in the first 90 days. Just I, I, I went so broad company in terms of like meeting as many people as possible. So yeah. it was thousand employee company. You know, now it's almost, you know, it's over 1500 now. The amount of people I could spend time with and talk to and meet is endless. You yeah. know, yeah. And I, I easily spent a month just meeting as many people as possible, talking to as many people as possible. And then from there, what I did was just kind of get right into tactics. And what I should have done more time doing was uh, spending more time with customers and, mm-hmm. and listening to sales calls because this is a, a complicated world. And I, and I kind of dropped the ball there a little bit. I was so eager to just get in there and start doing shit. At, uh, I, I probably could have benefited more from like taking more time to talk to customers and listen to more sales calls and like get into the mindset of the different kinds of customer segments that there are. So if I could do it all over again, I would, I would actually do it the opposite. I would skip talking to all these people and I would just go right to customers. But anyway, once I got all that sorted out, the move was to help the website rank for important keywords that had dropped. And, mm-hmm. so, and some of those quick wins were <clears throat> uh, business phone service, Uh, Business VoIP was already number one, but business phone service, which is kind of the same thing, but just a different SERP had dropped a little bit. And so we had to fight and claw our way back. But once we got that, that, that win and and became number one again for business phone service after dropping to like bottom of page one, that was like a really reassuring moment. Then from there, this is the thing about the industry that is fascinating and, and also what made it so difficult. Google did not, and still does not recognize that I'm just going to ramble off a list of keywords to you. And you're going to realize they're all kind of the same thing, but Google treats them differently. Here's just off the top of my head what they are. Business VoIP, business phone service, business phone system, cloud phone service, cloud phone system, virtual phone service, virtual phone mm. system, internet-based phone service for business, commercial phone service. <laughs> yeah. Right? So you see, you see what I'm getting at here. All these different variations of phone service and phone system terms, you know, hosted, cloud, office. Every, all these different permutations of the same thing have not necessarily been figured out by Google yet that, that there is a relation between them. And so companies like Ring Central have got away with building exact match pages for all these different SERPs. And so all I did was beat them at their own game. I did the same thing and just outrank them with better content, more links. That's it. I know that's an oversimplified explanation of how it all worked, but that was it. Okay, so that is such a good point. And it really sort of, it brings me back to a saying we have an impressive, it's actually Gabe's saying around, you know, people think Google is this all-knowing thing. They think it's this amazingly intelligent, intuitive thing, you know, like Oz. You know, it just knows everything. But, you know, you peel behind the curtain and you realize it's just a little man sitting on a, sitting on a chair. He's actually, you know, he needs us Google needs us to feed it really logical, clear information. So we say you need to treat Google like it's a toddler. Make sure that information is clear, concise, it flows logically, whether that means, you know, mapping out your site in a consistent way, which is consistent with other websites, you know, not trying to get too cute. But I think that sort of speaks to this as well. You know, it's not, you know, it doesn't have deep vertical knowledge in your specific vertical just because, you you know, you think it knows everything. What do you reckon? Yeah, well, you know, there's two things that come to mind. One is that a lot of times, you know, you say Google is like a toddler. A lot of times your customer is like a toddler. 
That's it. That's, they that's the they don't know shit. Yeah. And, and and the reason why you need to keep your website so easy and simple to understand and navigate your content needs to be so simple, clear, and easy to just consume uh, and internalize is because Google often mirrors what people want. And, it, you know, it is the case. And obviously Google's being, a, you know, an insane machine, much, much smarter than human, right? You know, that's the first point. And then beyond that, maybe Google doesn't recognize exact match, you know, relationships today in some verticals, but in, in the future, it will catch up. It, the machine mm. will get smart enough someday to where it will figure this out. And, uh, you know, they also have human elements to this too. There's a quality uh, score rating, which is done by actual humans, right? So the more mm. that, that Google mixes machine with human learning, it's going to get smarter and smarter. What does it all mean? That someday all these exact match content experiences that you built may end up cannibalizing one another and and when that day comes if it comes you got to be prepared to make some tough choices and tough decisions about what you're going to do with that content and uh that i think is just the caveat to keep in mind there yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. all right so talk to me about next diva you know you've had a good run there where is the site now from when you started there to where it is now where does it sit from an seo perspective oh man wow you know, if I were to go into Ahrefs right now, which I'll do just to refresh yeah. my memory, because I haven't looked at the stats in a while, but if I were to pop it in, I can tell you where it was when I started and where it is today. I don't want to sound all braggy or anything, but, it, you know, it's going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be good. So here we go. You know, let's just talk about links and referring domains for a moment. Mm. And so when I joined in 2018 there was 1600 referring domains mm -hmm. uh pointing to the site referring domains for non-technical people out there who don't really know what that means all, all all that is is just the number of uh websites unique websites that are linking to my website or in this case nextiva so about 1600 when i joined fast forward to today 8000 whoa yeah, so we we uh, got you know seven thousand more websites to to link to us, and you know these aren't bullshit websites. You know these are websites like HubSpot, Constant Contact, Big Commerce, G two, like all content based partnerships. And we and you know through a number of different means, through me doing interviews on podcasts, for example, that was a key link building uh, technique asking homies for favors, getting natural links just by creating awesome content, doing outreach uh, to uh, broken backlinks on competitor sites and having them updated to ours, uh, guest yeah. posting, right? All these things had an effect to do with that. Then looking outside of the backlink profile to just straight up organic search, when I started in 2018, the website was ranking for about 50,000 organic keywords and then fast forward to today 185,000 organic keywords wow wow yeah and the i think the aside from just the, the raw volume of organic keywords is when you really just isolate to say the keywords that are in positions 1 to 3 in 2018 that was 1100 keywords in positions 1 to 3 yep. fast forward to now uh, 17,000 keywords in positions one wow. to three. So that's 
keywords that are actually going to get clicks uh, and traffic. And I think the final thing before we just close off on this sort of bragging session here <laughs> is the traffic value. Yeah. So, so what is the value of the traffic? Meaning if you were to pay for this traffic in Google ads on a per month basis, how much would it cost? And in 2018, the traffic value of uh, the website was about 500,000, $500,000 yeah. in traffic value. And then fast forward to now, $2.2 million in traffic value. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Man. So a lot to chew on there. You know, mm. we can unpack whatever it is that, that you know, you want to go into, but there's, yeah. there's a lot there to, to talk about. So, yeah, I think like, I mean, we've run, we've run ad search campaigns for VoIP businesses. Those clicks are mega expensive. And obviously that's why it's, it's such a competitive space. You know, it's going to take, you know, a kick-ass like next level growth team, SEO team, or just really, really deep pockets to get that traffic through. Obviously, both would be good. That's a quick question for you. This is an SEO podcast, but like, you know, looking at that traffic value, you know, were you guys running paid campaigns as well to, to help, you know, you bridge the gap over time or was it just a pure, pure organic play? No, it, it was layered with a, a lot of paid um, yeah. advertising. You know, the, the biggest, I would say, needle mover on paid campaigns is affiliate marketing, man, uh, because, you know, of course, PPC is huge. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're spending yeah. a, we were spending a lot there. But, you know, the, the paid results are often quite separated in the search results from the organics. And a lot of times you have noise in between, such as knowledge graphs, knowledge panels, people also ask boxes, you yeah. know, uh, featured snippets, all that sort of thing. But what's powerful in this world, and, and a, lot of, a lot of, you know, verticals like it, is when you have a number one or two result for a term like business phone service, and then what's in the number two or the number one above wherever you are is an affiliate listing. So a website like getvoip.com, for example, mm. doing you know a page that says the best top 10 business VoIP providers, right? And we're listed highly on that. Now, of course, we're paying them uh, for referral traffic, Mm. But it matters because people see your name, uh, in the, your brand name in the organic listings. They see you in the paid listings. Then they see you again in the affiliate. And they often give the affiliate uh, result more weight or more credibility because in their minds, this is a non-biased or unbiased site. Mm. And uh, so that repetition matters. Yeah. So yes, it wasn't just a pure organic play. It was organic layered with affiliate strategies and of course, PPC as well. I guess that's the thing too, because if you think about like how many touch points, you know, I remember talking about this five years ago and we were saying, you know, it, it used to be, people laugh at this now, but you know, it used to be four to six touch points with someone online and now it's 10 to 15. You know, if you're talking about a big value product, you need 20, 30 plus touch points, you know, it could be, could be more. What we're just talking about there, where it's, you know, a paid listing, an affiliate link, and then the organic, you know, you've boom, boom, boom. You know, you're really building that trust, that credibility. You're getting all those touch points, you're kind of bunching them up, which is quite great. But there's definitely power in, you know, the paid and then the organic listing there because people know that you bought that space at the top and it's great. You get that brand, you know, recognition, you bit of, okay, that looks good. If they see you there organically, that's where they go, okay, cool, they're legit. This is this is someone I should probably get in touch with. I think there's definitely that association there, where when you can earn your spot there organically, it just piggybacks so well on on that paid spot. 
it's it's huge man you know it's interesting when you think about all the different searches somebody will will probably make before they buy something or plan to buy something you know it's it, they're not just going to search the brand name alone it is going to be brand name plus pricing brand mm. name plus integrations brand name plus features brand name versus competitor name uh so on and so forth so mm. right off the bat you have four five six different searches that are probably going to result in a click they're probably going to be going back and forth to affiliate listings, to paid listings, to organic listings. Then they're going to go to review sites, man. That That is huge too. So that is the other kind of, I, I guess, you know, the the, the, un, the unspoken beast, the, the, the one that, that is arguably maybe the most important, but a lot of growth teams tend to forget about. And then after all that, you know, they, they check out integrations, features, pricing, competitors, affiliates review sites right like that's a lot to take in and the more they see your brand showing up and all that the the better chance that you have and so it's i think that's the thing i learned the most in the last three years at a company like this is like organic is so important and it's huge but it's just one slice of the pie there's so yeah. many other things that got to be working together along with it and that is I think when you, you, you are getting into true demand generation and you, you break out of just individual siloed uh, single channel activity. We're, we're way off topic now, but I've got to ask this question. Just around, you know, those types of affiliate sites you're on, and I'm, I'm asking this out of experience for myself, just moved to, moved to the US, I need to learn a whole heap of bunch of different stuff and, and I'm, you know, I'm searching for, you know, internet providers and, you know, who my electricity and to go through and all these different things. How were you choosing those affiliate sites? Which ones are going to give you the most weight? Which ones do you think with your decision makers? I guess the question is, are you speaking to your customers and going, hey, where's the cred? Which sites do you actually weigh these in on? Or, or are you looking at things like the domain authority in the, in the affiliate site or the directory? Or is it a mix of those things? Like, What are you doing to help choose how to, you know, where to put, put the brand? Well, really, this is the way I do it. I look at which sites rank organically for the most powerful and important keywords out there. Yep. Now, some of them pay and, you know, those tend to be a lot of shitty sites like, like, you know, top 10 best CRM.com or top 10 best VoIP.com. Like, you know, those are just paid traffic farms, right? Mm. Uh, it's completely legit. Nothing wrong with it, but you know, the reality is that any site can, can, you know, just spin up ads and start generating clicks and traffic, mm. but to rank organically is very difficult. And so there's a quality filter there. And so I'm interested in working with sites that have captured top quality organic rankings. Those are the affiliate sites that I want to do business with because those tend to be the ones that your, that your customers are going to find and, and, and click through and, and, you know, trust and buy from. So I don't care so much about the, the uh, paid listings in PPC, but I, I do care which affiliate sites are getting reviews and traffic and rankings. Those are the ones I work with. All right. Well, just a couple more questions and then we're going to get into our quick five box pop. But uh, I'm just curious, what do you see next for next, next Diva? What's kind of next on the SEO? So specific to SEO, where, where can they start winning or where do they need to start defending? Well, I think what's next is international SEO. The company has historically been U.S. focused, uh, mm -hmm. you know, USA, North America, Canada, really. You know, getting into Europe is going to be the next wave. So I would probably say the hottest markets out there are the U.K., Germany, mm. France, the Netherlands, and probably Ireland. 
you know, to, to kick off, right? Those are some pretty big markets there. So, yeah. uh, and Spain as well. So I think, you know, all, all of Nextiva's competitors have gone international at this point. I think Nextiva is the last one to do it. And so I think international SEO is going to be a massive undertaking. And just that alone will, will have them pretty busy. Yep. <laughs> and so I, yeah. I would say international SEO is going to be the next wave. And last one before we get into the box pop, do you have any like favorite non-obvious tools that you use? Like, you know, there's the SEO tools that, that you know, practitioners will use, but is there something that you use that you, you know, you think maybe people don't? Dude, you know, I'm kind of boring when it comes to tools. Uh, yeah. You, you may have figured I would say that, but I'm, I'm pretty like tool agnostic, you know, like uh, I can pretty much get use out of any tool that I'm using, but I'll just rattle off a couple that I that I like. It's you know for in terms of crawlers, I, I'm a big fan of Screaming Frog. You know I, that that's that's my top that's go to. Yeah, yeah. I, I've been experimenting a little with Sightbulb. It's not bad. Uh, mm-hmm. It reminds me a little bit of a Deep Crawl competitor, but I, I you know I, I'm digging those. Uh, in terms of like backlink and keyword research tools, straight up Ahrefs and SEMrush can't go wrong with either one of those for. Competitive Intel, backlink and keyword data, you can't go wrong there. I of course I love the Google suite of tools, so Search Console, uh analytics and uh Google Ads, you know. I'm I'm always up in there. And uh in terms of anything else, it's project management, Asana. Yeah. Big, big fan of that. That that's it, man. I'm I'm fairly simple. I'm not like a big you know, tool geek where I have a, gig- a gadget or gizmo uh, for everything. It's just, the, you know, the basics. I like to stick to, yeah. you know, the the fanciest I'll get is like, you know, Google Data Studio. I'll make yeah. some dashboards there. Google Optimize for, for testing is, is, you know, what I like to use. Nothing crazy. Just keep it basic and simple. I like Hotjar for understanding website user behavior and uh, mouse movement, heat map data, stuff like that. Uh, and then Salesforce, Power BI, LinkedIn Sales Navigator. That's okay. that's my stack, yeah. No, that's cool. And that's probably a pretty good example that, you know, the I don't know, we, we can get stuck on what's the latest new tool, what you know, how are we gonna use this? But you know, like a tradesman, a hammer, you know, whether it's a five dollar hammer, hundred dollar hammer, like it's the way they use it, it's not the tool yeah. itself. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll give you a good example and no diss to this company, superhuman for email. Hmm. You know, someone was like, oh, you don't use Superhuman? I'm like, what? Every time a new $40 a month thing comes out, I got to use it? Plain old Gmail has worked fine for centuries. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and I'm sure Superhuman kicks ass, right? Like, I, I'm sure there's no diss to them, but, like, it's like, yeah, I just don't really need anything fancy. Like, I'm, I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I feel the same way about people always saying, why don't you automate that? It's like, oh, I don't know. I, there's stuff I like to automate and there's stuff that I can just do. It doesn't cost me a cent. I'm yeah. in control. You know, I'm pretty efficient. <laughs> yeah. Dude, and I'll give you an example on how this can actually be a negative thing or a distraction. When I was at Pipedrive, there was this strange desire from leadership to have SEO metrics and data pulled into a dashboard. Hmm. Now, this was before the time of Google Data Studio. So I was trying a tool called Gecko Board hmm. with a third-party connector, data connector called Supermetrics. And the idea was that I would pull data out of like analytics and Ahrefs and SEMrush and, you know, Search Console and marry it all together into one SEO dashboard conglomerate thing. And it just turned out to be like a massive waste of time that like didn't add much value. 
like it would have been easier for me to just like pull select data points out of these, you know, tools when I need them and then present them in a slide deck, just, you know, narrow it down to what people want to know. And that's it. Like you don't need a real time dashboard for rank tracking. You know what I mean? Like you can, but I just don't see how valuable that is. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. (laughs) All right. So now it's time for Vox Pop. Uh, Basically, I'm just going to fire some questions at you. Uh, You just need to first thing that comes to your mind, just spit it out. I'm going to be moving through pretty quick. If you haven't got an answer, I'm just going to go three, two, one. We're on to the next. All right. Ready, set? Go. Which previous algo change still keeps you up at night? Zero. I I never pay attention to Google algorithm changes. It's kind of like when gas prices go up. What else am I going to do? Walk? So, (laughs) yeah, I I don't pay attention to Google algorithm updates, really. Gun to your head. Which do you prefer, content or links? Content. What's the most effective link building technique that you've used? Asking my homies for links. Street cred, baby. Is the skyscraper technique still relevant today? Yes. If you go and look at sites like Backlinko and Mm -hmm. Hrefs and like all these sites that have like massively long content hub pages that they just continue updating over and over again, uh, they still rank um, and it works, you know. So yeah, skyscraper is still relevant. What do you love most about SEO? Man, it's that sweet feeling of earning a number one result that, you know, drives big business impact for, for a company that you're working with or a client, man. There's just nothing better. Yeah. How do you apply SEO principles to your daily life? Uh, well, SEO is a long game of compounding results. So if you apply yeah. this to investing or going to the gym, it's the same concept. You just need patience resilience you know you can't freak out when things are volatile you know speaking of google algorithm updates oh no we dropped from position two to three i mean yeah the the stock market goes up and down on a regular basis you can't panic that's how i think i would go about applying seo principles to normal day life yeah yeah uh work from home life or office life or hybrid life uh work from home baby i I will never step foot in an office again period Oh. Yeah, unless it's like part-time visiting just for like a few days. But like in terms of full-time, long-term, never. SEMrush or Ahrefs or Moz? I, I would go Ahrefs. I, I would say that they're probably winning that race, but you really can't go wrong with any of them. No mm-hmm. diss to any of them, but my personal favorite, Ahrefs. Uh, last one, agency or in-house or combo? I'd say in-house as much as possible. This is my perspective. You should only outsource when you need more firepower or you want to run faster. You need to execute at a faster rate. You should you should not necessarily outsource things that you don't have skill in or or knowledge in. You you can, but those relationships tend to, to work out less. You know, they, 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 they have more friction. The client just doesn't get shit. You know, if you're working with a client that gets it and they're just saying, hey, we need to move faster, we need to build more links, produce more content, grow traffic faster, we just need more manpower to do it, then I think uh, an agency is an excellent resource, but not necessarily if you are lacking the skill. Awesome, Katano. Just amazing podcast, amazing conversation. Thanks so much for being on. We've been friends for a minute and this this has come out really, really well. I was really keen to pick your brain on everything SEO and, and just get a sense of what you've been able to achieve. Thanks again. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me, bro. So that's been SEO Success Stories with Gaetano Donati. If you'd like to reach out and get in touch with him, just look him up on LinkedIn. Um, he does great content. You should follow him, have a look at his content. If you are a fan of this podcast, subscribe. If you need to get in touch with myself, impressivedigital.com or jump on and find me on LinkedIn as well. If you've enjoyed the podcast, 
SEO success stories. Give us a five-star review on all, all your favorite players. But otherwise, Katana, any closing remarks? Been great to have you on. No, no nothing really, man. Just uh, thanks for having me. Look, if you're an SEO, it's a bloodbath out there, but you got to just keep fighting and scrapping.